morning. Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. At Barah Ministries, we know this truth, that Jesus Christ is God. As Lord, he is 100% deity. He is God the Son. He is also 100% human, just like you and me. And his name is Jesus Christ. 100% God, 100% man, and one person forever, the uniquely born one of the universe, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And today, we celebrate the most significant day in divine history, the day that Jesus Christ proved his deity by being resurrected from the dead. And one of the things that hit me as I was studying for this week is that for you to make a case legally that something you say is true, there have to be at least two or three witnesses. And so one of the significant things about what Jesus Christ did in being resurrected from the dead is that for the next 50 days he hung around and he showed himself to over 500 witnesses. And most of the people who knew of him during his time on earth didn't believe in him while he was on earth, which is understandable. You know, because most of them thought he was just nuts because of all this stuff he was saying about himself. He was saying, well, I'm God. Yeah, okay, man, pass the joint. You're not God. You're smoking marijuana. They probably had it back then. They called it hemp or something like that. But they just thought he was a little bit deranged. But then afterward, when he was raised from the dead, even his half-brother James didn't believe in him until he saw the resurrected Christ. And so I had always thought, well, that's kind of stupid. Why did James not believe in him while James was living in the same house with him? But he hadn't done much that was a lot different from what normal human beings do except the miracles that he was doing. You know, he fed uh, 500 people with uh, two fishes and five loaves of bread. That was pretty cool. He cured leprosy, made blind people see. I mean, those were things that you see them and you say, wow, that's pretty cool. But being raised from the dead, nobody else has ever done that. So all the people that are at the head of religions, you know, the Pope and Allah and Muhammad and Joseph Smith and all the people who claim to be the sacred beings, have any of them been raised from the dead? No. But Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and that immediately separated him from everybody else. That immediately should tell you that he wasn't just a good prophet. It wasn't a good teacher. He wasn't just a good guy who stood for good moral things, but that he is, in fact, who he said he is, which is the sovereign God of the universe. And we are here today to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, Not Easter, we're not celebrating a female goddess who is the goddess of fertility, whose symbol is a rabbit, the the animal of fertility, who makes a lot of bunnies. We're not celebrating that. We're celebrating the resurrection from the dead of the sovereign God of the universe, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the significance of him going to a cross to die and the significance of him being raised from the dead, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, as you go through the notes for this lesson, you're going to see some bold. And there are several bold things that you will see, and every time you see one of those things, it's something that, that 
normal people would not do for you, that God did for you. Normal people would not do some things for you, but God does for you. And so there are so many things, biblically, that point to his deity. Because he did things that nobody who is normal would do. For example, the first one, the Lord's creatures were saved from dire straits. What's it like when you're in dire straits? I'm a generous person, but when my friends call me and they say they need some money, I'm kind of scratching my head a little bit and wondering how I get out of this. (laughs) Amen? Right? Because, yeah, I want to help somebody who's in dire straits, but I want to help me too. God doesn't look at things that way. The Lord... The Lord's creatures were saved from dire straits. What does that mean exactly? Our omniscient God, who has always known all that is knowable, knew in advance of creating his creatures that we would choose to sin, that we would choose to fall, and that we'd be in dire straits. Because once you sin, you fall, and once you fall, it's death. That's it. And you were born in death because of Adam's sin. And then you send yourself to confirm that you're dead. You were spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says it. All creatures have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All creatures have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. A friend of mine was telling me yesterday that she, uh, she had gotten on a a Christian dating site when she was single. And she said, the worst group of people that you'd ever want to meet in your life who demonstrated nothing that reflected that they were Christians. Accurate. Right? Because the legalists have an uh, amazing ability to point out your sins while forgetting their own. But Romans 3.23 says, all creatures have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, where? In scripture, there is no creature who is righteous, not even one. If you are not righteous, you are unrighteous, which means you sinned. Now, as believers in Christ, we know that we are now righteous because we've been made righteous, but before we were made righteous, we were unrighteous. Why? Because we had sinned. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, all in union with Adam at physical birth, and that's every human who comes to the earth, are set to die the second death in the lake of fire. And there are people walking around today who think that they are basically good people and that, you know, they haven't hurt anybody. I'm not like Hitler. They get all comparative between them and other people, but you don't have to be like Hitler. All you have to do is sin one time, and you are guilty of breaking the whole law. That's it. A criminal doesn't have to break every single law to go to jail. You sell drugs, it's illegal. You don't have to murder somebody, run a traffic sign, you know, uh, steal. You don't have to do all the other things to be a criminal, to be a convict. You just have to do one thing. There's a lesson. It's the same in the plan of God. Well, here's a bold thing again. The Lord felt a compassion for us that is not deserved. When you are guilty as charged, there is absolutely no reason why anybody should feel anything towards you except that you are a criminal. 
But that's not the way the Lord looked at us. I, I remember in my time in systematic theology, one of the things that, that the proponents of systematic theology wanted you to believe is that God does not feel and God is not emotional. If God, <laughs> if God didn't feel, we're all in big trouble. He absolutely felt. And what did he feel? He felt a compassion for us that is not deserved. Our Lord and his Father were compassionate toward us. And so knowing that we were going to fall, in advance of our fall, they crafted a solution for our fallen state. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 say this, God the Father, being rich in mercy because of his great unconditional love with which he loved all of us, Ephesians 2, 5, even when we were spiritually dead in our transgressions, made us believers in Christ spiritually alive in union with Christ. What does it mean when you go from spiritual death to spiritual life? It means you are born again. The second birth, the spiritual birth, the only birth that matters. Because if you are not born again, you will not go to heaven. Period. It's absolute, not relative. Even when we were spiritually dead in our transgressions, he made us believers in Christ, spiritually alive, and placed us into union with Christ. For by God the Father's grace, you have been saved. Here's another bold one. The Lord loved us unconditionally when we were his enemies. How about you? Do you love your enemies? Do you want to do anything nice for your enemies? Do you want to do what the Bible says, pray for your enemies? No, we don't want to do that. But the Lord did it. He loved us when we were his enemies. Loved us how? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He loved us in demonstration. God the Father demonstrates his own unconditional love. He doesn't just talk about it. He demonstrates his own unconditional love toward all mankind, toward the most despicable in the human race, toward Hitler, toward Stalin, toward Nero, toward Herod, toward Pilate, toward the people who led him to the cross. Unconditional love toward all mankind in that while we were yet sinners, while we were spiritually dead, ungodly, unrighteous unbelievers, Christ died as a sacrifice for us. You wouldn't go across the street for an enemy. He died for you when you were his enemy. Amen? That's amazing. That's the kind of God we have. Now, people are going to look at Jesus Christ, who did this, and they're going to say he was just a teacher. They're going to say he's just a prophet. A lot of my Jewish friends, and I have tons of Jewish friends, are missing it. And it bums me out. Jesus Christ is the Jewish Messiah. He already came. They're not going to recognize it until he comes again. They're missing it. He already came. And it's going to be the same guy that comes again that they go, Oh, I could have had a V8. Yeah, you could have. Now, the Lord solved our sin problem voluntarily. There's another one of those bold things. 
He solved our problem voluntarily. That's one of the things I hate about the movie, The Passion of the Christ. The, the movie that uh, Mel, Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson yeah. ding, 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 you get to play Jeopardy. Yeah, Mel Gibson made this movie, The Passion of the Christ, and we're all supposed to sit around and go, oh, I can't believe what they did to the Lord. He knew that was going to happen before he came. He volunteered for the worst death in the history of mankind for you. And when you go to the mirror tonight and you look in the mirror, you say that to yourself, please. You know what? The Lord went to the cross for me. Rory Clark, say your name and say, and if I had been the only one that he had to die for, he would have still gone. And then go sit on the bed and do the only thing you can do after you realize something like that. Cry. Because you can't hold it in your head that somebody would love you that much. Because you start evaluating, I can't believe all the stuff I've done over my lifetime. And he would still love me with no conditions. I can't believe that. (laughs) Nobody cares what you believe. It's what's true. And what's true is he loves you with no conditions. What's true is he died for you on a cross. That's what's true. That's what we believe. He solved our sin problem voluntarily, even before we fell. In eternity past, Lord Jesus Christ and his Father planned to offer his creatures a reconciliation. He cheated on me. Okay, so what are you going to do now? I'm divorcing him. He cheated on me. That's what we do as human beings. Somebody makes a mistake, we throw him to the curb. It's not what he did. He didn't throw us to the curb when we made the 1,700,222 mistakes that we made. See, he was on the cross to pay for all your sins. And as he was on that cross for three hours and your name came up personally, and your 1,722,000 sins came up, he didn't get off the cross. And then the next name came up, Pastor Rory Clark. And when my three sins came up, he didn't get off the cross. Amen? And then back to (laughs) y'all. We laughing at me. I'm telling the truth. (laughs) Yeah, y'all always quick to point the finger. Y'all always quick to point the finger up here. I'll take it. I'll stand at the point. So even before we fell, the Lord and his Father planned to give us a reconciliation. And so the Lord, God the Son, became flesh voluntarily as Jesus Christ, and he lived among us. He is the sovereign God of the universe. He is the Savior of the whole world, and he is the Jewish Messiah. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, assert this truth. In the beginning, not a beginning. Why in the beginning, not a beginning? Because God has no beginning and no ending. In the beginning, not a beginning, was the word. Ho logos in the Greek. The Lord. God the Son. As deity. And the word, the Lord, God the Son, was with God the Father. And the word, the Lord, God the Son, was God. 
He was deity from the beginning, not a beginning. Okay. God, another bold one. God even loves the enemy that deceives us about him. God loves Satan, the devil, unconditionally and always has, always will. From the very beginning, the original languages of Scripture in the New Testament, Koine Greek, make it absolutely clear that Jesus Christ is God. Koine Greek, every expression in that language has one and only one interpretation. The Bible is not subject to interpretation. It's subject to translation. The Jehovah's Witness Bible, one of the many translations of the Bible, feels free to take liberties with the translation to support their false doctrines. Even though they acknowledge that Jesus Christ has always existed, they say Jesus Christ is not equal to God the Father, whom they call Jehovah God. And this deception is sponsored throughout all religions by the enemy of God because religion is Satan's strategy to make you indifferent or antagonistic to God. And it works. It is masterful. It is brilliant strategy. Here's John 1.1 in the Jehovah's Witness Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was like a God. Okay, what did they do? What did they, how did, what did they do to Jesus Christ? They reduced him. They reduced him as not equal to God the Father. That's a lie. The Jehovah's Witness translations have changed over the years, proving that they are not based on truth because the truth doesn't change that they are based on lies intended to deceive. You go to the 2013 version of the Jehovah's Witness Bible, you will not see this like a God. They took it out because people complained about it. But they left the G small. And if you're not looking, you won't notice stuff like that. If you're not looking, you'll just, yeah, I don't, Pastor, I don't know why you're so, I don't, I don't get why you're like that about these things. I mean, we just need to be tolerant of everything. We just, all, of, all roots lead to God. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's one root that leads to God, Christ. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through believing in me. I think he's pretty clear. Now, see, that's the thing about Jesus Christ that I've always thought. He is either God or he's an absolute lunatic liar. It's so clear. It's one or the other. So then, after you figure that out, that it's either true or false about this Christ, Jesus Christ is God, that's either true or false, then you just look at the evidence. It is so much evidence. In the Old Testament, there were 109 different things that he had to fulfill to prove he was who he said he was. It wasn't he proved every one of them. Oh, no, don't make me bring out the list. Don't make me bring out the list. You'll be here for three weeks. Amen? So a, a truth that shifts is intended to deceive. And the same lies that are typical in every religion, and if you look at every religion, here's how you'll know. You go to their doctrinal statement. You comb their doctrinal statement. You'll see all kind of Bible verses waving their hands, trying to deceive you. But just go right to the core, and at the core it will be 
You have to work to please God. At the core of every religion, you will not get into heaven unless you do. And in Christianity, you are more than welcome to heaven by doing absolutely nothing except taking God's word for it, what it takes to get there, which is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That takes zero effort on your part. It's a one-time decision and the results last forever. No work. In fact, if you work, you nullify it. He doesn't need you to save you. Just say, you know, Lord, right now, I'm drunk. I had a lot of wine, and I'm drunk. But I want to be saved. You're saved. You don't even have to be sober to be saved. That's how easy he made it. And there are going to be people in the lake of fire for all eternity, ruining moaning and groaning about the fact that being saved took about one second. I believe. Father, I believe in Christ. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I believe. Help my unbelief. There are a gazillion ways to say it. But we're too busy. Because video games are much more important than this. Right? Six hours on a video game is much more important than one second believing on the Lord and Savior. Right? (laughs) Spoken like a father who's got little kids. (laughs) So in every religion, they hide their deception very effectively within the truth to numb us to noticing deception. I love when people figure out that they've been lied to. They get so mad. I love seeing that. They're madder than a wet hen. Have you ever seen a wet hen? You, you make a hen mad. You pour water on a hen, you make a hen mad. I know y'all, you country people, you know what I'm talking about. You used to have hens in your backyard and everything. See, I'm a city boy. I don't know nothing about that, but I heard. I have two sons, and as their human father... I do not see them as lesser than me. I see them as people. I see them as separate and distinct beings. I see them as equals. Yet we are one. So it is with the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Separate, distinct, equal, infinite, one. Amen? Amen. Why that? Three witnesses to Satan turning on the Lord and turning all the angels against him. Three separate witnesses, omnipresent witnesses who were there watching the crime. Barah Ministries makes a difference by teaching the word of God from the original languages of scripture to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ's perspective while not teaching a rehash of man's often inaccurate perspectives. We search the scriptures to learn who the Lord is as a person and to learn what our God has to say about himself, about his plan for mankind, and his personal plan 
for each one of us. Every hair on your head is numbered. The resurrection celebration, recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, is pretty easy when you look at the evidence. Recognizing Jesus Christ as the Messiah is pretty easy when you look at the evidence. Many people are wandering around the planet today who have been deceived into believing that there is no absolute truth. And like mindless drones, they recite the satanic deception. It's all relative. False. That's a lie. It's all absolute. You are on God's team or you aren't. It's pretty simple. There are no free agents in the plan of God. One thing is absolute. Jesus Christ is God. In today's lesson, we'll celebrate our Lord and we'll reflect on the evidence presented about his deity. And if you want to know who God is, all you have to do is examine the evidence and you will discern the absolute truth and you'll distinguish it from absolute lies. And anyone who says Jesus Christ is not God is lying. And what you'll see upon examination of the evidence is that Jesus Christ has done things for all of us, even when we were his enemies, that no one else would or could even dream of doing. And so as we go through this, if you have the notes, just keep looking at the bold. All right, let's hear some music. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, the Lord teaches us the life lesson of his resurrection through the Apostle John. Revelation 1.17, when I, John, saw Jesus, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, do not be afraid. I am the first, I am the Alpha, and I am the last. I am the Omega, the Almighty One. Revelation 1.18, and I am the living one, and I was dead, and behold, now I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and Hades. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Moses was a coward. Exodus three fourteen, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Here's June Murphy to sing about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the great I am. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God. The Word was God, the great I Am. And He says, I am the living bread. I am the light. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. Baptist waited for I am the resurrection I am the vine 
born one, Shekinah glory divine. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I existed before all. I am the Alpha and Omega. I am Jesus, you're the great I am, and I am all I am because of you.
June's songs because they're always chocked full of truth. They all come, all the verses come straight out of the Bible. It's amazing. And I'm looking forward to that day when we all come back with the Lord and we're behind him as he rides in on his white horse and he has that on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And everybody's going to look at me and they're going to say, who are you? And I'm just going to say, I'm with him. (laughs) Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for the many proofs you have given to show that Jesus Christ is your Son and that he is the one you sent for us to count on for our so great salvation. Thank you for giving supernatural evidence to prove that he is the Christ, the Jewish Messiah. Thanks for the things your Son said about himself, which the natural man, the unbeliever, considers foolish. Thank you for this day, set aside every year, all throughout the world, to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and to call the whole world's attention to him. And no Easter bunny will obscure who he is. Thank you for the enemy of your son, who seeks to blind the minds of the unbelieving, yet finds it impossible to discredit your son. Father, let this be a day when you let us feel the full impact of your Son inside of us in such a way that it is completely overwhelming to every single one of our senses so that we may know without question what everyone will know one day, that your Son is the one to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, he is deity, and that he is who he said he is all along. And we ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. The resurrection celebration, recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, is pretty easy when you look at the evidence. That's one of the things I have always disliked about my enemies, that if you do something nice, they always take it and twist it around and make it into what they want to make it. And they say, oh, well, he did that nice thing because he's just trying to advance himself and he's just playing the game or he's buying people or whatever, whatever they say. And then the evidence co- keeps coming in to the contrary. And the only way that they can maintain their lie is by ignoring the evidence. That's exactly what we do with God. We make a decision that we know everything We make a decision about what we believe and what you believe and $2.40 will get you a cup of Starbucks coffee. Nobody cares what you believe. Only thing that matters is what's true. And the only way you're going to know what's true is to keep looking at the evidence as it comes in because evidence overwhelms. What are are the standards in our courts? Beyond a reasonable doubt. Why? Because there's so much evidence to prove the truth that anything else is irrelevant. By a preponderance of the evidence. That's another standard. And so look at the evidence. That's all you have to do. And if you don't do that, what you're going to do is you're going to discredit the true source, the Bible, and then adopt your own sources, and what those own sources will be is you proving that you're right. Okay, well, that's fine if you want to do that, but you bet your life on that. You bet your eternal life on whether you're right or not. 
I'm betting my eternal life that what Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ said is true. If I believe in him, I'm saved. I'm betting my life on it. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I perish, I perish. Fine. But I don't think so. So what is some of the evidence that points to Jesus Christ's deity? Well, the Lord was born of a virgin, a supernatural solution to the sin problem. I was not born of a virgin. You were not born of a virgin. So there's a 180 degree difference between what was true for him and what was true for us. You know, the kids in there, and I, I said, you weren't born of a virgin. They went, ew, I want to think that about my mom. Stop. Right? All right. I get it. I don't want to think that about my mom either. But it's the truth. In Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 35, an angel says to the mother of the Lord's humanity, Mary is not the mother of God. She is the mother of Jesus Christ's humanity. And here's what it says in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 31. And behold, you, Mary, will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Luke 1, 32. He will be great. And he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God, God the Father, will give Jesus the throne of his father David. Jesus Christ, one of the things that was predicted, one of the 109 things is that he would be in the lineage of David, and he absolutely was. Luke 1.33. And Jesus will reign over the house of Jacob forever. He will rule Israel. And his kingdom will have no end. Why? Because it had no beginning. Luke one thirty four, and Mary said to the angel, after being told all of these supernatural things, she went to a very practical question. How can this be since I'm a virgin? The Greek says, how can this be since I don't know a man? Luke one thirty five. the angel answered and said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the divine power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And in Luke one thirty-seven, it says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Only someone with no sin could solve the sin problem. And one of the reasons he was born of a virgin is so he would not come to earth with the flesh. Because the flesh sins. And the flesh is passed down from the Father at conception. Jesus lived a sinless life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. We believers in Christ do not have a high priest in Jesus who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, only a 100,000 times more, yet he is without sin. I think one of the biggest surprises for all of us is going to be when we get to heaven and we see Mary Magdalene who was always hanging out around Jesus, and we see how beautiful she is. It's, it's gonna, we're going to be stunned. And the lady who uh, was crying on Jesus' feet and washed his hair with perfume and dried his feet with her hair, when we see how beautiful she was, we're going to be stunned that he was hanging around these beautiful women and was not having sex with them and was not marrying them like the enemy of God wants us all to believe in the little movies that they create about Jesus. It's always, oh, yeah, he had a relationship with Mary Magdalene. Shut up. Just shut up. 
stupid. It's just stupid. Because to solve the sin problem, you can't sin. So, we believers in Christ do not have a high priest in Jesus who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet he is without sin. Jesus is uniquely qualified to solve the sin problem because he never sinned. Jesus died for the benefit of each one of us. John chapter 15, verse 13, in literal translation, says this, Greater than this unconditional love, no one has for you, in that Jesus Christ would lay down his life for all of you, his friends. That's such a beautiful translation directly from the Greek. He died for the benefit of each one of us. He was willing to lay down his life for us. Are you willing to lay down your life for anybody? I remember when I was in my first family, I told my kids, I said, if we ever all get in, a, in, in the water, and I can only save one of you, I'm saving your mom. It was nice knowing y'all. <laughs> See, I'm different from God. Right? And if I could get out, if there's one getting out, it was going to be me. If it was only one of the four, I wanted to get out. See? Jesus isn't like that. He laid down his life for his friends. Amen. I, yeah, I better stop telling you the, these deep inner thoughts that I have because you're going to start thinking I'm a bad person. Amen. Not a bad person. I just want to survive so I could get up here and teach you. All right. <laughs> At the cross, Jesus paid a sin debt that each one of us owe. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says this, At physical birth all mankind was born spiritually dead in trespasses and sins. You owe the debt. If you sin, you have to pay. But the Lord stepped in and said, No. If they sin, I'll pay. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8, Being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humiliated himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's like little kids, you know. Like if you go out and, you know, you're a parent with a bunch of little kids and you go out to the ice cream place, you know, the the kid with a responsible parent gave him a dollar, right? Or maybe not. Maybe not. Because, all right, inflation. I got to account for inflation. So maybe the parent said, all right, if, if Mr. Clark takes you out for ice cream, Here's the $10. Just pull that out of your pocket and pay for your own ice cream. And the kids do that, right? They got the money in there, and then they pull out the money, and they say, Mr. Clark, I have money if you need it. They get an alligator arm. They get this little baby arm. You know, they're not sticking it out like this. They're sticking it out with an alligator arm, hoping, hoping that I don't, oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. I'll buy your ice cream. And they get that money back in their wallet faster than you can shake a stick. Amen? Right? Because we don't want to pay for our own stuff. Well, Jesus didn't make us. He didn't make us pay for our own sins. He paid for our sins. And so what do we do as human beings? Every time we sin, we pull out the rubber hose and start beating ourselves like that's going to matter. Rubber hoses don't pay for sin. Blood does. Blood of Jesus at the cross. That's what paid for your sins. 
So when you sin and you get all guilty about it, you're wasting your time. That does nothing. It's not impressive to God. It's not impressive to anybody else, especially the person you sinned against. It ain't impressive. So just stop doing that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humiliated himself. For, for God to take on the form of a human is humiliating. And he humiliated himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus voluntarily, Mel Gibson, died the most horrid death imaginable. And he did it for you. Don't forget to get in that mirror today and say he did it for me, personally, by name. Jesus repaired the relationship with his father that your sin destroyed. Your sin destroyed a relationship with God the Father. Jesus paid for that, Romans 5.10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God the Father through the death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, much more... Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by Jesus' resurrection life. At the moment of salvation, you are giving, given gifts that are too numerable to count, but one of those is the Zoe life, the resurrection life, eternal life, a life with no beginning and no ending as a free gift. Jesus gave us, through his death on the cross, direct access to God the Father by paying the sin debt and getting sin out of the way. So when we return from our five-minute break, we'll take your offering, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper, and then we'll end our resurrection celebration with a story that happened after the Lord's resurrection from the dead. Take a five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong. At the end of the line, will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody. We're trying to tell everybody. All about somebody who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song to sing I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus When Moses had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight you picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose So when I hear that devil start talking to me Saying, who do you think you are? I say, I'm, I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody All about somebody Who saved my soul For the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see 
back the the resurrection celebration recognizing jesus as the messiah it's pretty easy when you look at the evidence recognizing jesus as the messiah is pretty easy when you look at the evidence well the work that the lord jesus christ did at the cross was done so that we might receive reconciliation giving us direct access to a relationship with god the father the lord broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, sin, that separated us from God the Father. The Lord's resurrection from the dead was a gift to us that we might receive this truth in our hearts, that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is God. His resurrection from the dead allowed us to receive the victory in the creator-creature conflict. Yet the Lord's messages to us are always about giving, he, he gets us to receive, 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 and then tells us to give. Not about receiving at all. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says this, In everything, I, Paul, showed you that you must help the weak and you must remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So obey him. Be generous to others just as the Lord is generous to you. There's never been a time when it has been so important to get the gospel message out because people are listening. Let your giving reflect 
our Lord's generosity. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with the offering message. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Barah Ministries. Barah Ministries is a worldwide Christian church where real people come to listen to a real pastor teach the real truth from the Word of God. We don't mess around here. Um, yes, actually we do. <laughs> but as we've, we've been facing these trying times, we're going through this global pandemic, and we're all worried about the end of the world, I'm, I'm thankful for a man that always delivers. I'm thankful for, for Pastor Rory Clark because he gave us a message that told us that God's hands are on the wheel, and we never have to worry. And so as we're thinking about stuff like that, you know, we're thinking, oh, man, it's the end of the world, and what's going to happen, and God, why is God allowing this? But we know God is always going to deliver, just like our pastor. And we see stories throughout the whole Bible of deliverance, of confirmed deliverance, and we've seen so, several examples. And so as I was going through the week, I was wanting to kind of look at some verses that would just keep me strong and make me think of, clear my head and think of the truth rather than all the lies that come from the media. And I was looking in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9. But resist the devil, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are occurring among your brethren, other believers in Christ, who are in the world. So as we go through what we're going through, just know that some people have it worse, some people have it better, but we're all going through it. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while, the God and Father of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory and union with Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He will deliver us, without a doubt. And we've seen this in our own, our own congregation. Tony LaGrasso was delivered. He had a severe form of cancer, and it didn't look great. And I'm sure he was super scared. And we've seen with Larry. Larry had his own bout with stuff with cancer. And that was a scary situation, and it hits really close to home. And, you know, we've seen with Pastor John most recently that he went through, a, you know, a very scary trying time, especially going through the hospital with this whole, the whole framework of COVID on top of that. You know, that's scary. It's just probably very disheartening for him, but he's been delivered. You know, and we've seen throughout the Bible, Bible Abraham, the Red Sea, and what's the most important one? He is risen. He's not here. Just like he said he would be. He is risen. And that's amazing. That's what makes him so much different. And, you know, it's, it's a time when people are asking for help and they need the gospel. But this is also a time for us to use our spiritual gifts. I feel like we've kind of forgotten about that. This is a time to use the gift of helps and use the gift of administration and help people with those things when they can't do those things. And I've heard stories in our own congregation of people stepping up and doing this. And I've, you know, had a great idea for pastor. You know, when people come at them for money like they do, just let them know about their spiritual gift. You already got a gift. You don't need it from me. God gave you one. <laughs> so just remember, he's not going to give you money. He's going to tell you about your spiritual gift. But I am going to ask you for your money. And that's just not, it's not for me. It's not for us. It's, it's for God. It's for, for worship of his ministry. This is his ministry here. And this is his building. And it's going to be his contact center. And I, I find it funny that as the world makes us have no contact with others, we're going to have a center for contact. We're going to have a place where you can get to know God and you can get to know people that care about God and care about you and learn what un, real unconditional love means. And that's what's giving it the offering is, is caring about others like you care about yourself. And I know that's tough to do, but it's really it's the most 
um, freeing thing and it's the most beneficial thing you can do for yourself is understand that we can give and God's always going to give back to you. We're always going to have what we need. Maybe not what we want, but we're going to have what we need. And <clears throat> that's because of you guys always giving at the offering and supporting us and supporting this ministry. And one more warning for the kids, you know, <clears throat> is that uh, bunnies don't lay eggs. So don't eat those things. Okay, happy Resurrection Day. <laughs> That's right, Zachary. There's none like you. The resurrection celebration, recognizing Jesus as the Messiah is pretty easy when you look at the evidence. Recognizing Jesus as the Messiah is pretty easy when you look at the evidence. Let's remember Jesus in the way he told us to remember him by enjoying the Lord's Supper elements. So obeying our Lord's command, we keep on celebrating Christ and his cross regularly. We eat to remember who he is as a person. We drink to remember his work on the cross, the voluntary sacrifice he made to deliver us. And we remember with gratitude what God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ have done to save us. In John chapter 6, verses 48 to 58, the Lord instructs us this way. I, the Lord Jesus Christ, am the bread of life. John six forty nine. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. That was the food that came down from the sky. John 6.50, this manna is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. The Jews were taken care of in the wilderness. John 6.51, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, are the living bread that came down out of heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. John 6.52 Then the Jews began to argue with one another saying, 
how can this man give us his flesh to eat? John 6, 53. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no resurrection life in yourselves. You see, only blood atones for sin, and so Jesus is referring to his death on the cross being the thing that brings salvation to all men who want it. John six fifty four, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in resurrection on the last day. John six fifty five. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. John six fifty six. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in union with me, and I indwelling him. Faith in Christ is the ticket to eternal life. John six fifty seven. As the living God, the Father sent me, and I, the Lord Jesus Christ, live because of God the Father. So he who eats me, he will also live because of me. John six fifty eight. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the man of the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread, faith in Christ, will live forever. On the night the Lord was betrayed, he offered the bread to his apostles. And he said, take this bread and eat it, for this is my body which will be broken for you. And then he took the cup. This cup is my blood, the blood of a New Testament. Blood being poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. So let's follow his instruction. Let's keep on doing this, eating the bread and drinking from the cup in memory of him. Let's keep on being transformed by his life, by his death, by his burial, by his resurrection from the dead, and by his word. So let's celebrate the Eucharist with music. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, We believers in Christ know with absolute certainty that God the Father causes all things to work together for good for those who love God. Notice it doesn't say all things work together for good. It says God causes all things to work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose, and that's believers in Christ. Because he knew that we would believe in him, he called us to a so great salvation. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32 say this, What shall we say then, as believers in Christ, face to face with all these things? If God is for us, and of course he is, who is successful against us? No one. Are you afraid? Don't be, if God is on your side. Romans 8.32 makes it perfectly clear. God the Father, who did not spare his own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but delivered him over as a sin substitute for us. If he did that great thing, how will the Father, now that we are believers in union with Christ, not also freely give us everything else? If he gave us his Son to die for us, don't you think he's going to pay your rent? Don't you think he's going to feed you? Don't you think he's going to give you life? Don't you think he's going to deliver you from the mess we're in? He is, he has, he always does. No brainer. Well, here's one of June Murphy's new songs. God works all things to tell us all about it.
don't get to see everything be- behind the scenes, but uh, Zachary and Deacon Denny wanted to hear the track, and I wanted to hear the words, so the great solution is always to do both, so there you go, so you got a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of both. Give me my clicker. All right, let's continue. The resurrection celebration, recognizing Jesus as the Messiah is pretty easy when you look at the evidence. Recognizing Jesus as the Messiah is pretty easy when you look at the evidence. Well, let's close with an amazing and emotional post-resurrection story in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 58. Here's what it says. But on the first day of the week, and the first day of the week is Sunday, at early dawn, the women who had come with Joseph of Arimathea out of Galilee came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, bodies that were decomposing tended to stinketh, and so they would bring spices to cover up the odor. Luke 24, 2, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now, this wasn't a little stone. It was a stone that could not be moved. 
by a couple of people. It was a stone that had to be moved by hundreds of men, actually. It was very heavy. Luke 24, 3, but when they entered the tomb, the women did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Luke 24, 4, and while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men who were really angels suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. The Greek says clothing that gleamed like lightning. So if you can imagine how bright that was, it was blinding brightness. Luke 24, 5. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, which is exactly what you would do if a lightning strike was anywhere near you, the men said, why do you seek the living one among the dead? That's profound. Why do you seek the one who is living among the dead? What, how did Job say it? I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end he will place his feet on the earth. Luke 24, 6, Jesus is not here, but he has risen from the dead. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, unbelievers, and be crucified, and on the third day rise again? Luke 24, 8, and the women remembered the Lord's words. Why do you go to Bible study? Because I have to remind you over and over and over again to remember the Lord's words when you want to panic. Luke 24, 9. And so the women remembered the Lord's words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the 11, the 12 minus Judas Iscariot who had betrayed the Lord, and to all the rest of the disciples, the followers of Christ. Luke 24.10, now the women were Mary Magdalene, that's Mary of a town uh, in the Jerusalem area, Magdala. So Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. Luke 24.11, but the apostles were reasonable men and these words seemed like nonsense to the apostles and they would not believe the women. See, that's the way it always is for women. Now, who's the first one to the tomb? The women. And then when they come back and tell the truth, what do the men say? Well, I'm not sure. You know, testosterone's a lot more important than estrogen. I don't know. I have to see for myself. Yeah, shut up. Shut up. Listen. Luke 20. You know what? It it, it dawns on me. God the Father never said to a woman, shut up and listen. Sure said it to Peter, didn't he? (laughs) Guys always got to be told, shut up. All right, Luke uh, 24, 12. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb and stooped and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings only and he went away to his home marveling at, at what had happened, but he really didn't know what it meant. Luke 24:13 And behold two of the apostles were going that very day to a village named Emmaus which was about a 7 mile walk from Jerusalem Luke 24:14 And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place Now uh, all right so let's just stop for a moment and know what this is This is devastating Right they've been following this guy for 3 years believe in everything he said Putting in their own meaning was he, which was he was going to restore the kingdom to Israel, but that didn't happen. And the next thing you know, he's dead, and they're devastated. 
absolutely devastated, and it's three days into their devastation and their grief. Dire straits. Just like what's going on on the earth right now. They were feeling just like we're feeling right now. Like, what happened? What, what, we, seriously, we can't go to a baseball game? What? Oh, hey, I got a, an unlimited movie pass for the whole year. And I only got like, like 10 of those movies. What? What? <laughs> I, I, wait. Okay, I can't get toilet paper? Seriously? What's wrong with Procter & Gamble? Did they forget how to make toilet paper or something? This is a chance to make some money, Procter & Gamble. Come on, P&G. They were devastated. Luke 24, 14, they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. Luke 24, 15. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Luke 24, 16. But their eyes were prevented by God from recognizing Jesus. So to them, he was just another guy. Luke twenty four seventeen, and he said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? You know that's a Greek idiom because <laughs> that's not the way people talk to each other. So the translation that came into English is pretty rough, right? What, what this really says in the Greek is, what are you talking about, Willis? You, you probably know that one. Anyway, and they stood still looking sad. They're devastated. Luke twenty four eighteen. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who's unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? In other words, this is something that has happened that is, it has circulated all over the earth. Oh, yeah, but what about the little children in the middle of Africa? Everybody knew about this. Luke twenty four nineteen, and Jesus said to them, What thing? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and in word and in the sight of God the Father and in the sight of all the people. You see what they thought of him? They thought he was a prophet. They didn't think of him as God. Luke 24, 20. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. Just like we've been delivered to the sentence of death, the death of being in our homes with our family. Amen? <laughs> Might as well have killed us. Anyway, all right, that was editorial. All right, next. <laughs> Luke twenty four twenty one. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel, purchase us from slavery is what redeem means. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. Luke twenty four twenty two, But also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. So you remember earlier it said men, but I told you angels. Now there are two things there. All angels were male, which is something you need to know. Now if you've ever seen these little female cherubs all over the place, that's satanic distortion. Because all the angels were male, and every reference to an angel in the Bible is in the masculine. So that will tell you that gender is not at all important to God, and that he created men and women for a specific purpose, but that will not be our state in the heavenly state. Gender is going to be irrelevant. Luke twenty four twenty four, And some of those who were with us 
went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women also had said. But Jesus they did not see. Oh, so the women were telling the truth. Oh, the women knew what they were talking about. How rare. Luke twenty four twenty five. And Jesus said to them, Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. All right. Jesus is going to take them right to those three magic words. It is written. All right, so Luke 24, 26. Was it not necessary for the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Luke 24, 27. Then beginning with Moses, the Torah, and with the prophets, and with the Psalms, the whole Old Testament, Jesus explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Luke twenty four twenty eight, And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. Luke twenty four twenty nine. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. What they were really saying is, Hey, it's getting dark, dog. And there are a lot of robbers along the, the path. You don't want to be going along the path by yourself because we're not going on. That's what they were saying to him. Luke twenty four thirty, And when Jesus had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. Luke twenty four thirty one. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. Luke twenty four thirty two, And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? That's what the scripture does. It burns inside of you. It's like a light, a flame. Luke 24, 33. And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the 11 and those, uh, those disciples who were with them. Luke 24, 34. Saying, the Lord has really risen from the dead. And he has appeared to Simon. Uh Uh-oh, witnesses, the women. How many women were there? Three. Then Simon, who is that? Peter, Simon Peter, the, the one who betrayed the Lord. The Lord wanted to get to him immediately to get his head out of his butt because he was so upset that he had betrayed the Lord, he was ready to give up. And then Cleopas and his buddy, three witnesses. You make a case with two or three witnesses. Luke twenty four thirty five, And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how Jesus was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Luke twenty four thirty six, And while they were telling these things, Jesus himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. Luke twenty four thirty seven. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. They were rubbing their eyes saying, am I seeing what I'm seeing? I don't believe what I'm seeing. Yeah, you believe it. Luke 24, 38. And Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Luke 24, 39. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. What he was asking them to touch is the resurrection body. And the resurrection body evidently has hands and feet and can be touched. Uh Uh-oh, no spiritual distancing. We're actually going to get to touch each other in heaven. Oh, my God. 
and we're going to have flesh and bones in our resurrection body. Oh, my God. Luke 24, 40. And when Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Luke 24, 41. And while they still couldn't believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? That's it. You, got, you had me at hello. Michelin three-star in heaven. We're going to be eating in heaven, amen? And drinking wine in heaven, but not getting drunk. So if we're, not, if we're drinking wine in heaven and not getting drunk, that means that the wine is going to be the most amazing tasting stuff ever. <laughs> Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Awesome. Luke 24, 42. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Luke 24, 43. And he took it and ate it before them. Before them. Our resurrection body will be eating. Luke 24, 44. And now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses, the Torah, and the prophets, all the rest of the Old Testament, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. To my Jewish friends, it's not about just the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. It's about the Torah and the prophets and the Psalms. And if you ignore the prophets and the Psalms and joke it off, oh yeah, I didn't read the, the rewrite, the New Testament, you'll miss it. My Jewish friends are missing it, that Jesus Christ is the Jewish Messiah. Amen? So, Luke twenty four forty five. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Luke 24, 46. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. And that will let you know that Good Friday is a counterfeit. Because if you count backwards from Sunday, Sunday to Saturday is one, Saturday to Friday is two, Friday to Thursday is three. He was in the grave three full days, so his crucifixion was on a Wednesday, not a Friday. Satan counterfeits everything in the plan of God. So Luke 24, 47, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, all the nations, even the little children in Africa, beginning from Jerusalem, the worst place on earth at the time. Luke 24, 48, you are witnesses of these things. Uh-oh, there's that witness thing. What is that? How many of them were in the room now? 11 plus a whole bunch of disciples. So he had the three witnesses and now he's starting to spread the witnessing. And they are seeing him in his resurrection body. Luke 24, 49. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What is that power? the enabling power of God the Holy Spirit. So you heard me say earlier, the Lord, the Lord, God the Son, as Jesus Christ and the Father. But you say, hey, where's the Holy Spirit? Right there. The Holy Spirit is the unsung hero of the Christian way of living. He is the one who teaches us and leads us and guides us into all the truth. And he is co-equal, co-infinite, co-eternal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and God the Son. Luke twenty four fifty, 
And Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Luke 24, 51, and while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven, the ascension. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension, session. What is the session? He is seated. God, the Lord Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father as your advocate. And every time you commit a personal sin, he speaks up for you as your advocate. And God the Holy Spirit intercedes for you when you are praying and groanings too deep for words. Luke twenty four fifty two, And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Why were they so happy? Because they knew that their Redeemer lives. Luke twenty four fifty three, And were continually in the temple, praising God. All right, so I told you, I think I told you earlier, Luke 24, 1 to 58. I guess it's only 1 to 53. Amen? Amen. All right. So I did that intentionally to show humility before God. <laughs> so the joyous words, he is risen. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy... Back when we were sinners, we were, we, as believers in Christ, we are no longer sinners, we are saints. So back when we were sinners has caused us believers in Christ to be born again, the spiritual birth, to a living hope. A living hope is a certain and real hope, an absolute confidence through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Unbelievers are always teasing us. Are you one of those Bible thumpers? Yep, that's me. Thump, thump, thump. That's me. I'm a Bible thumper. Are you one of those Jesus freaks? Freak I am. Are you one of those born agains? Yep. I'm one of those people who needs a crutch. The Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And although you have not seen the Lord, you love him. And although you don't see him now, but believe in him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. There are many convincing proofs, some of them presented here, all of them presented by the Bible, that Jesus Christ is God. Yet for those who ignore the evidence, no proof will be sufficient until the judgment day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess what we believers in Christ already know, that Jesus is the Christ, the Jewish Messiah. Praise, all praise be to our almighty God. All right, we close the lesson today with this. The same thing we close the lesson with always. We want to let you know that God wants you. And what he wants from you is he wants you to make the most important decision of your life. So the closing moments of our study are for the benefit of anyone who does not have a personal relationship with the sovereign God of the universe, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want you to know that God wants you. Here are seven things for you to consider if you are seeking a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you aren't seeking a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you need your head examined. Amen? All right, point one. There is a God. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. 
The first four words of the Bible confirm his existence. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. And the fifth word is created, and that's the Hebrew word bara. And you may have heard of bara somewhere before, speaking something into existence from nothing. God isn't shy about telling you who he is. Joel chapter 2, verse 27, I am the Lord your God and there is no other God. He is your creator. John chapter 1 verse 3. All things came into being through the Lord God the Son. And apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. Point two. God reveals himself in ways that make sense to human beings. God wants you to know him. He is not hiding from you. He does not work in mysterious ways. He works in absolutely predictable ways. So he is easy to get to know. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Since the creation of the world, the Lord's invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his deity keep on being clearly seen by everyone, being understood through what has been made, as reflected in the things of nature. If you've seen the, um, the Grand Canyon and you don't think there's a God, there's something wrong with your head being understood even through what has been made so that all mankind is without excuse in the matter of knowledge of the existence of the Lord. God doesn't work in mysterious ways. He is completely predictable. Point three, God has a plan for all mankind. How do you know? Because God is organized. Acts chapter two, verse 23 tells us the earth and the universe were created by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God the Father. God made all of his decisions in eternity past, and they are unfolding before us. He is through with his decision-making. Point four, God has a personal plan for you. I don't believe you heard that, so I'm going to repeat it. God has a personal plan for you. God knows you intimately because he created you. Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, says the very hairs of your head are all numbered. God custom made a life specifically for you. It has a path and he has you on it. Point five, God created you. Then God the Father said, let us, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness. You are a spiritual being and as such, you require a spiritual life. Point six, you owe God a hearing. You owe God a hearing. Since God created you, you at least should listen to him. He has a place. He has placed a desire inside of you to know what is beyond yourself and what is beyond this life that is visible to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says this, The Lord has made everything appropriate in its time. And he has also set a desire for a knowledge of eternity in everyone's heart. Do you spend any of your time getting to know God? You have 168 hours a week. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I swear to you, this two hours is easy. But it's almost like you're killing somebody to get them to do this two hours. It's just so funny to me. And you've got to know that there's something spiritual 
that wants you to blow this hour, these two hours off. There's a, there's a supernatural force in the background that wants you to blow this time off, to not concentrate. And that when you're playing video games, that intensifies your concentration into that. And that was the, always the amazing things with my kids. They couldn't, they, they go on to sleep in Bible study. And then as soon as they get home, all six hours, they don't close their eyes playing video games. There's a supernatural force behind that, which is why I didn't kill them. In addition to the fact that that's illegal still, but that's beside the point. Point seven, God's enemy Satan does not want you to know God. Satan does everything he can to keep you ignorant about God. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If you're wondering why COVID-19 is going on, it's because Satan is the ruler of this world, the government is his puppet, and he is doing this. This is not from God. Amen? It's not from God. Because God doesn't put people in solitary. God does not take away everything that's fun for people. He doesn't do that. One, uh, one of my client's daughters, she's seven years old, she said, Dad, is COVID going to be every day? Out of the mouth of babes. Are you aware of the ways that Satan is lying to you about God? There's nothing more important for you in this life than getting into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, Whosoever received him, to them the Lord Jesus Christ gave the right to become children of God the Father, even to those who believe in Jesus Christ's name. If you aren't a child of God the Father, if you aren't in union with Christ, you can make that decision right this minute, right where you sit. One-time decision results the stamp finished forever, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. Just take God's word for it and say, Father, I believe in Christ. I believe. I believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And heed the warning of John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, the resurrection life, right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. Consider these things, seven things. Get to know the Lord today. Believe in him now. All right, we close with music. Luke chapter 22, verse 70 says this. The council of elders, both the chief priests and the scribes, unbelievers, all said, Are you the Son of God then? And Jesus said to them, Yes, I am. I argued for four hours with a Muslim friend of mine who said that Jesus Christ never said in the Bible that he was God. (laughs) I showed him 100 different places in four hours where Jesus Christ clearly said that he is God. And where others clearly said that he is God. He is God. Jesus was constantly affirming his deity all the way up to his death on the cross. And he proved it by being resurrected from the dead. 
If you remember nothing else from this lesson, remember this. There's a sign hanging over my head that will give you a hint about what I'm about to say. Jesus Christ is God. Well, here's June Murphy with one of her new songs to sing about it. And not so oddly enough, she titles it, Jesus Christ is God. She's amazing. And the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. He was in the beginning with God. song. 
So, the next event in divine history is called the rapture of the church where all believers in Christ will be plucked off the earth. And in Thessalonians it says that the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout with the uh, archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ, the church age believers who are dead in Christ in union with Christ will rise first. And those of us who are on the earth who remain will be caught up with them in the air and forever will be with the Lord. And so I just want you to know that if that happens tonight, because I'm guessing that if God picked the day to do it, Resurrection Day would be a great day to do it. And if it happens tonight, night would be a great time to do it because he is light and he would light up the darkness. And so if that's tonight, then I'll meet you up in the clouds. If it's not tonight, quit your whining. Quit your fear, quit all that other stuff, and let's get on with it and make a difference in this world. And stop being quiet about the fact that people have taken your freedom away from you. And get your head in the Bible every single day and know what the promises are that this amazing God has done. I personally would love it if we were raptured today. However, I don't think that he prepared me all these years to then just take me out like that. I think he wants me to stay here and suffer with the rest of us. And (laughs) we got something to do, including building that beautiful facility that is going to be the Center for Contact. I like that name, by the way, Deacon Denny. So let's close up with a prayer. Almighty God and Father, we just are so grateful that you considered us worthy enough that you would send your son to us that you considered us worthy enough that by believing in him, placing our faith and confidence in him, that we would be placed into union with Christ, that we would be priests and ambassadors and saints, that we would be redeemed and atoned for and expiated, that we would be reconciled to you. We're just so grateful for these amazing gifts that you give us that prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're dealing with a supernatural being. We're dealing with God, the supreme God of the universe, And that your son is the one who saved us by his sacrifice of blood at the cross. And we just pray that we are able to reflect that glory to everyone who is scared and who is anxious and who is thinking in scarcity. So that they might see the light of you through us. And that they might be curious enough like a moth to a flame to come and find out what it is that has us being so joyful during this tough time. And that gives us what, what it is that gives us the absolute confidence that we will be delivered. And of course, that is your son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that as we go forward this week, that you provide more than enough like you always do. That you provide an abundance for us so that all believers in Christ are able to pay their bills. That they're able to have a little extra after. That they're able to eat. That they're able to find all the supplies they need and that they are able to resist Satan and all of his lies, that they stay away from television and they stop listening to those things that pervert their ears and intimidate them and instead listen to you and your son and his word. And we ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Say it like you feel it. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening. Thank you. Send birthday presents.